you'll just go to uh, Lord in prayer with me. God, I just, uh, we come together tonight, we just uh, come to you, admittedly broken, messy people, we have our successes, we have our failures, we have our relationships that we hold dearly. We each and every one of us carry the pain of broken relationships. God, I just pray as we come together and we just open up your word to us and we just really try to figure out what does it mean to be part of a biblical, a healthy biblical community? What is our responsibility in that? How do we fit? God, we just uh, seek you out right now in this place. We just ask you to speak deep into our hearts, into our souls. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in week nine, believe it or not, in a series called Together We Can. And... uh, Many of you maybe thought at the beginning of this series, Together We Can, we were going to have some sort of grand vision kind of uh, series where we were going to, Together We Can, you know, take over the world or, or something like that. And uh, probably by now you figured out that we tricked you and uh, that we're actually, it's not really a vision series in your, in your standard kind of vision idea uh, at all. It's, it's, a, it's a series about just biblical community. What's a healthy biblical community look like? And how am I part of that? And, and, and what's, what's required of me? And I really believe in order for us to really get to that place where, where we're, you know, running through the streets with outbursts of love and good deeds in some, you know, directed fashion that, that internally as we are, are working together, that, that, that we just do community well. That, and scratch that, not well, we, we do community in a biblical, healthy, functioning way. And if you open up the New Testament... Uh, right after the first four books, which are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we, we kind of launch right into the, the start of the church. And right after the start of the church, then you have just about the rest of the Bible talking about how to kind of resolve conflict. How do we do life together? I mean, you really think about it, you think about God. Think about God, and God is a a communal being. His whole existence is God the Father, God the Son, and God's Spirit. 
His whole identity, his whole being is, is community, three in one. And you think about, about our faith. And, and, and the whole thing about our, our, our faith is the only reason that we're here is because God sent His Son so we can restore the relationship that was intended in the first place. And we think about that and, and things that we've talked about here that really life comes down to having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people. And just generally speaking, us as human beings... Regardless of our faith or, or our upbringing or, or our job or our education level or eco, uh, uh, economics, uh, socioeconomic uh, kind of standing, if we were just really honest, we stink at community. I mean, the vast majority of, of the, the story of human history is basically a bunch of arguments and wars and, and just things going sideways. And it's not only, you know, on a macro level, you know, there's, there's broken relationships, not only with friends, but in families and husbands and wives and, and in churches and in workplaces and in organizations. And, and you know, for, to... To be a community, a healthy, biblically functioning community, there's, there's, there's got to be a way. And a lot of people have looked at a lot of different ways to do that. But really when you go back to it, that, that how we interact with one another is meant to be one of the hallmarks of the Christian faith. They will know us by our love. There, okay. Not by our t-shirts, not by our Way FM bumper stickers, you know, not by the little fishes on our on our on our cars. You know, none of none of these things. They will know us by our love. This is meant to be the one of the really defining things that, that separates us from the rest of the world. But the reality is that that historically the church, and I'm talking about all of us who claim that we're followers of Christ, it's just something that we haven't excelled at. And that's why over the past you know, several weeks we've been talking about you know, conflict resolution, forgiveness, you know, all these kind of things that just, just how do we do life together? Because the reality is, this is just reality, and this is a place where we deal with reality, not feel good, just kind of, I wish it was this way, but no, like, what's the real deal? And the real deal is, when there's more than one person in the room, and sometimes when there's only one person in the room, there, there is the great possibility of conflict. Right? Right. So, today, you know, we're going to be talking about something that I heard about a, a, a lot of years ago, just kind of this, this concept, and I wanted to use it as a springboard of really getting into uh, the Word of God on, on, on this, and just really just truth-telling. And, and this guy had this uh, idea that, that when we talk to somebody and we're trying to resolve conflict, most of the time, those of us who aren't, you know, 
just dedicated to 100% truth that we're real good at 90%. Like we have these 90% conversations that we'll, we'll go and tell everybody, you know, we'll tell people up to a certain point, but that last 10%, that's when it switches and it, and it's, it, it stops being really about them and it starts being about us and, and our heart and our soul. And, and really opening ourselves up to some sort of vulnerable moment. So us as people, we, we don't go to that last 10%. But you know what? For, for, for true community to exist, true harmony to exist, that we have to be a place where we can handle that last 10%, that we have an environment that... that that fosters that kind of honesty, but also protects that kind of honesty. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Mark, you know, 90%, what, what's the big deal about the last 10%? And to illustrate that, I want to tell you a 90% story, and then I'm going to tell you the last 10%. Now, the story is absolutely true. 100% true, and uh, but it just... It kind of changes at the end when you get the last 10%. And this story is about this summer when uh, I got to fulfill a dream of mine, and that was to compete in a triathlon called Escape from Alcatraz. Now, each year, uh, 2,000 of, the, of um, athletes from around the world, and this year it was 40 different countries, uh, came to uh, San Francisco to compete in this triathlon. And I... Uh, was fortunate enough to be one of them. And this was an amazing race. It was everything that I, I thought it was going to be and more. What they did was first you, uh, they put 2,000 of the most driven people you will ever meet onto one boat. And, uh, and they, they started taking us out to Alcatraz Island. And once they got us out there and they, they were right off of the island um, and the countdown started going down, uh, uh, and I knew it was serious actually what we were doing because in San Francisco, they actually offered up a prayer for all of us to Jesus before we went. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm in trouble. And uh, so after the prayer, they're all like, all right, go. And I'm like, all right, I've done business with God, I'm going. And uh, so everybody's like, jumping in the water, and I, I jump off of the boat, and I hit that freezing cold water in the, you know, no gulf here. I mean, it was cold, and, and the, the current starts taking me, and there's people all around me, and it's pandemonium, and, and I start swimming towards shore. And I'm swimming and swimming and swimming, and, and you know, all these fantastic athletes around me, and, and about 15 minutes into the swim, I like kind of like start thinking to myself about like those three guys who escaped from Alcatraz like or they thought escaped from Alcatraz like a lot of years ago and nobody knows if uh, they made it or not. I'm going to tell you right now, they're dead. <laughs> There's not a chance that these guys made it. So if you're wondering, there you go. You learned something. So I, I kept on swimming. It was one of the hardest swims of my life. And I, I, hit, the, I hit the shore um, 
a little under an hour, an hour later, and uh, I jump out of the water, and I see my wife there, and I give her a kiss. I'm like so excited, and I run toward the bike, and I hop on the bike, and and uh, start riding and just, you know, San Francisco, you've seen pictures, you know, it's, it's not Tallahassee. I mean, it's not flat. I mean, it's up and down, up and down. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm going and I trained for it and I'm having a great race and having a great time. And on my way back, I was coming toward the last hill of, of the bike leg. And, and you all know in a triathlon, it's swim, bike, run. So I'm, I'm heading back to, to start my run, and I'm on my bicycle, and, and I start up this hill, and this hill is just gnarly, and I was just, you know, just cranking it out, grinding those gears, and, and, and going along, and then suddenly, a guy on my left, who I actually, uh, he actually ended up being second in the, in the whole triathlon, he's a professional triathlete, he passes me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, here I am on the last hill and, uh, of the bike leg, and this professional athlete just passed me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just gut it out, and I'm going to try to get to the hill, atop of the hill before him. So I downshift, and I just start really just cranking it out, and I pass him. And then a couple seconds later, he passes me again. And then finally, just with a great Hercules, you know, effort, I get to the top and I look back and I beat him to the top of the hill. Absolutely true story. But that's only 90%. You see, as my bike started coasting back down the other side of the hill, I looked it back to that professional triathlete as he was running toward the finish line to finish the race. Yes, I was on my bicycle. He was running. <laughs> kind of changes the story just a, a weensy little bit. No, I didn't come in third. I came in like 1,999. I, I beat out the 80-year-old lady with one, you know. So, but, but oftentimes, we, we fall short at the last bit, the last bit where, where, you know what? Now I understand why you're so upset. Now I understand, and, and, and at that point, you can really be able to bond with somebody, but we, we stop short. In Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 14, it says, but this is what you must do. Tell the truth to each other. Tell the truth to each other. Not 90%, but 100%. But you know what? There's two types of, of truth, kind of, if you, if you look at it that way. There's, there's truth that, that is delivered with a sledgehammer. Or there's, there's truth that, that is, a, is more of a biblical model. And for us to really have truth that's healing and that, that, that edifies, it's kind of a churchy word, that builds up, builds up one another. Paul talks about it in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. He says, this is how basically you need to approach one another when there is conflict. He says, since God chose you to be the holy people whom He loves. Now, before... 
you know, we get all excited and think, oh, God chose me to be holy. And we know that God is, is holy, you know, this perfect person. It's not that kind of holy. That He didn't pick you because you were perfect. He picked you because He loved you. He picked everyone because He loved the world so much. And that holy in the Greek actually means for us, set aside for God's purpose. So, since God chose us to be set aside for His purpose because He loves us, we must clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing that you must wear is love. Love is what binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. You know, God is calling each and every one of us. When, when we come, we are, we are mandated to tell one another the truth. Not 90%, but 100% of truth. But how we approach that makes all the difference in the world. What is, what is our desired outcome? What do we want to happen? And he goes on, in, or he doesn't go on, but in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul also talks about kind of having this attitude of forgiveness. And in order to do that, you have to get rid of, this is easy stuff to do, by the way, get rid of all bitterness, gone. Rage, gone. Anger, gone. Harsh words, gone. Slander, God, gone. And all, as well as all types of malicious behavior. I mean, it's not really easy, is it? And these things seem to to attach themselves to our souls and and sometimes that we don't even know that they're there if uh if we're friends on facebook you know that i've been cleaning out my garage this week and uh you know the garage is you know a lot like the soul you know, I figured it was going to be this kind of this quick little cleanup job and, you know, I'd straighten some things up. Actually, the, the reason I started it was uh, a shelf uh, had collapsed under the weight of all this junk and it just <laughs> fell on the floor. And I'm like, all right, you know, I need to do something about it. Isn't that like with our soul? We don't really do anything and still like, you know, there's so much weight on our soul, it just collapses and just kind of falls all over the floor. So I figure I'm going to fix this shelf and I'm going to, tidy up a little bit and uh, take this opportunity with my family being in California just to really straighten up. So I'm starting to straighten up and, and I'm coming across stuff and I'm like, you know, I'm pulling things out. I'm like, wow, look at all this junk in here. And there's like stuff I'm pulling out and I'm like, wow, I didn't even know I had that. And like, and I start thinking, you know, well, where should I put it now? And, 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 you know, how am I going to reorganize this and, and stuff? And then I just decided, you know what? You know, I've lived here six years. And I'm like, you know what? If I, if I, there's, if I move from California, and, and, and this is a true statement, 100% true, there's stuff that I packed in California 
to move here with still the movers tags on it that haven't even been opened that are sitting in my garage. And I'm like, really? Do I, do I really need this stuff? And I just pulled out a trash can and I just started dumping stuff and making another pile of stuff that I could give away that if it was going to be of any use to anyone. And I just started doing this, this wholesale cleaning that, that I never even really thought that I was going to get into. But the more I got into cleaning my garage that was all kind of prompted by this collapse of the shelf, that, that I started realizing that, wow, this is a much bigger job than I ever dreamed it was going to be. And the same is true with our souls. We, once we, you know, the shelf breaks in our soul, we start to see that, you know, in, in boxes in our, in, our, in our souls, we have, you know, a lot of times bitterness and rage and anger and all this kind of malicious behavior. And every so often it'll, it'll come out and we're like, where did that come from? we really were honest and we really did a cleaning that we, that we would figure out, you know what? There's a lot of stuff in there that's preventing me from really being healthy. That's preventing me from, from really being able to be in healthy relationships, real relationships, not superficial relationships, but real relationships with, with, with other people who God has surrounded me with. So we look at this and we say, all right, you know, these are the things that we have to do, that we have to approach when there's conflict, when there needs to be forgiveness, when, when something goes sideways with my boyfriend or girlfriend or with one of my friends or husband or wife or, or something in my church or whatever, you know, you know, conflict, people. We got to clothe ourselves with tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and uh and gentleness and and patience and love i just realized in my notes that the spell check changed uh humility to homely <laughs> you don't have to be homely to, to have healthy community you can it's all right uh but we have to get rid of that instead of but we also have to do the wholesale garage cleaning, soul cleaning, because we can't just cover. We just can't cover up these things with it because these, these ugly little things are like weeds that continue to poke through the, the soil in our lives. So one thing I like about Christ is a lot of times He can get really practical and, and uh, really specific. And whenever Jesus does that, I always really pay attention. When he, when he kind of stops speaking in, in parables and metaphors and he says, you know, look, this is what you need to do. You know, that was kind of Paul's deal in the Bible, but Jesus didn't do that a whole lot. But you know what? He did that with conflict resolution he did that with truth speaking and, and, and community building. And that is found in Matthew chapter 18, in, starting in verse 15. Jesus says this. He says, if another believer, someone else who's a follower of Christ, sins against you, go privately and point out their fault. In your Bibles or in your notes, I want you to underline go privately. 
This does not mean update your status on Facebook saying so-and-so is a schmuck. This does not mean tweeting that so-and-so hurt you. This does not mean emailing either them or everyone that you know or who knows them. This is not chat rooms. This is not IMing. Are we getting the point? It is go privately. I know it's not as fun as trashing somebody, but this is Jesus. This is the person who you know, a lot of us you know, say we are followers of. And he's being very, very clear here that, you know what? If someone sins against you, you are to go privately to them. Now, here's a caveat. And I just, I just want to say, it. if this is someone who's physically hurt you in a way, this is not what Jesus is talking about. So I just want to, I just want to say this. But if... Probably 99% of the time, you know, we're not talking about a, a, you know, a physical abuse issue. We are talking about something that somebody just did something stupid or is just a rotten person or something like that. And you can even meet privately in a public place if you are concerned about, about safety. But the principle here is the vast majority of the time is go privately. And in order for this kind of stuff to work, that, that you know, we, we need to hold one another accountable. But Christ is saying, look, go privately to this person. You might think, well, you know, yeah, that, I think we'd all say, you know, that's the best way to do it because then it doesn't get out and, and, and sometimes there's misunderstanding. So why don't we do that? Why don't we go privately first to the person and, and really tell them that, that they hurt us? Well, if you're like me or probably anybody else, a lot of times, you know, we get in our minds that, that it's going to be a lot worse than, than it is. We think that the person is going to, uh, you know, yell at us or, or you know, be mean or, 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 or be accusatory toward us and, and things like that. But you know what the reality is? Probably nine times out of ten, if you go and you sit down with somebody and, and go privately to them and you just open up and say, you know what, when you did this, this really hurt me. And this relationship means too much to me to allow this to be part of it. And you know what, if there's a last 10% thing there, you can even say in this community, and can I tell you the last 10%? And they'll say maybe yes, and, and you can say, here's the last 10%. You know what? I feel that maybe you did this because I've seen some patterns in your life that, that have been unhealthy. And I think it's starting to infiltrate just how you conduct yourself in relationships. Or maybe it's something more personal. You know what? When you did that, it reminded me of this person who used to abuse me. And it scares me to death that you are that type of person. I mean, these are the last 10% kind of things that we, we rarely go to. Because we're scared. But in order to have true 
healthy biblical community that we have to be able to have an environment where we can have these conversations. And Jesus says, and Jesus is a realist here. He's not, he doesn't just stay down there. He, he's, he, you know, he's, he's God, but he's also human. So he understands that not everybody is going to say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. You know, let's, let's all sing Kumbaya together and stuff. Sometimes people are just stubborn and they hurt you and they don't care. And they're going to continue going in, in what, you know, what they're going to do in their pattern of life. And Jesus says, look, if they, if they do that, well, first he says, if the other person listens to you and confesses, you've won that person back over. Back. And that, that's always the point is love and redemption and a restore community. But that doesn't always happen. Next thing he says is, look, bring one or two other people with you. And, and so they can be witnesses. So they can be counsel to the whole situation. Now, the one or two, the other people that you bring into this situation, you know, these aren't your steadfast allies. It's not your mom and your grandma that you bring with you. Through all, you know, think when you, you know, fell off the, you know, piano recital and got a bloody nose that, you know, they gave you a standing ovation. Not that kind of person. You need to bring someone who's going to be neutral, who, who isn't automatically going to take your side. Someone who is going to be fair and the other people, the other party respects. And then, you know what, same thing. If they listen to that, then you know what, you get to restore relation, the relationship. And you get to celebrate together. But if that still doesn't work, Jesus says, look, then if they still don't listen to you, then take your case to the church. And if the church decides you're right, but the other person won't accept it, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. This is how we need to do these things. That somehow we have to figure out and hold each other accountable to these things. And it's hard to do. And I know what happened, how it happens because it happens all the time. You know, people will come up to me and, and they'll say, this person really hurt me or this person did this. And you need to do something about it. And I say, no. You know, I try to stop them before I hear what they're going to say about the other person. And I ask them, have you gone to that person directly? And privately to discuss this. And if they say, no, because I need prayer. That's a good Christian thing to say, right? I need prayer. I go, you're right. You do need pray prayer. Go pray and then go to that person privately and talk to them. Because you're not going to drag me into this until the end here. You know? <laughs> and, and you know what? Most of the time, if they do that, it's resolved. And we need to be disciplined in our church here at E3 
When somebody comes up and says, can you, can you believe so-and-so did this to me? Our, our first response is try to stop them before you even hear it in your ears and ask the question, have you gone privately to them and talked to them about it? Because if you haven't, you know what? You are not responding correctly. And you need to go do that. And you need to have not a 90%, but 100%, last 10% kind of conversation with them. You know, there's going to be times where they, they, they'll circle back around and, and, and you know what? They, I went to them privately. And they still wouldn't listen to me. Okay, you know what? You and me and maybe somebody else, let, let's, let's all sit down and talk about this. And then if it still is going sideways and the person's stubborn, then, hey, let's, let's set up an appointment with Pastor Mark or Pastor Dan or Pastor Eric or, or, and, and let's see if we can't bring some sort of resolution to us. Hey, it's like, we, I know we're all sitting here and going, yeah, this is so easy. Why don't we do it? I mean, it really is easy, but it's so hard at the same time. And the thing that makes it so hard is with, with conflict, it never ever just stays between the two people. It always is, it's like a cancer that goes throughout the community if you don't, if it's not handled the way Christ says to handle it. And, it, and it's going to require all of us to just say, you know what, we are not going to allow our community to be ravaged by an unbiblical way of resolving conflict. And we are going to build an environment where we can speak 100% to the truth and love to one another and to really bring restoration and healing to one another. And I believe if we can do that, that we will be light years down the road to being a healthy, biblically functioning community. But each and every one of us need to do our part. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that these different things that we've been talking about are really hard issues in, in the Bible. Just uh, We, we want to build a support system around us. We don't want to deal with conflict head on, but you say we need to. We need to love each other enough to have these last 10% conversations with each other and do them privately, with the, with the hope that there will be restitution, that there will bring, it'll bring community back together and stronger than it was before. We love you, Lord. In Jesus name. Amen.